I'm Dr. Pamela, and you are watching The Joy Whisperer, where we explore the science and the practice of joy as a catalyst to our relationships, our resilience, our restoration, and our resistance. Today, we are going to dive into what it means to build communities of joy. And notice that I said communities of joy and not just a community of joy. And this is because we have the potential to build numerous communities in all the different facets of our lives. So today's three truths is truth number one, we can create communities of joy. This is something that we can indeed do proactively. Truth number two, friendships are intimate relationships. And we don't often think of our friendships this way, but I have the opportunity to speak to a psychologist uh, who's going to dive into how our friendships can actually be our most intimate relationships. And truth number three, communities of joy have purpose. So we can be intentional about how we engage in our communities of joy and what those mean to us and what we hope to pour in and get out of those communities of joy. So we can be quite intentional around our communities and the people that we engage with. So I'm really excited. There's so much to talk about. Friendship, connection, building bonds with people. That's what today is all about. So make sure you grab a friend grab a pen, and let the joy whispering begin. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college, so I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. My Shiro doesn't always wear a cape, but she always has time for a hug, a smile, for going the extra mile. My Shiro stretches every dollar, puts in long hours, puts others first. But now it's your time, Mom. When you're ready to retire, we want you to be able to enjoy it. It's time to start saving now. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to start boosting your retirement savings today. Visit aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. This was an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more.
honey, what I think you need is a socket wrench. I played JV basketball. I'm sorry. I don't think it looks right. This is good, and it's all good, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. So today's theory to live by is the positivity ratio. Now this ratio or this concept was developed by Dr. Barbara Fredrickson at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Now, what I really like about this is, I, I mean, I've used it in a lot of different contexts, particularly when we need to think about how to be proactively positive, when we're having a rough time and we need to think about what is it going to take to sort of turn the tides for myself as it pertains to mood and perception um, and what I actually have control over. So the way that the positivity ratio works is that for every one negative experience, we need three positive experiences in order to maintain a state of flourishing. Now, flourishing is a, a term that describes our contentment, our peace, um, our ability to be happy um, through different situations. So when we're in a place of flourishing, we are experiencing um, positive responses to our environments. So when we look at how we navigate through that whole idea of a three to one ratio, you've had a negative conversation perhaps with your child or your boss, you will be able to change the way that you come away with that if you're intentional about making sure that for every one experience that you have that's negative, you ensure that you create positive experiences. Now, there, there's differences in terms of how this plays out with different dynamics. So for married couples, the ratio is five to one. So for every negative experience, we should create five positive experiences. And with children, for every, it's seven to one. So for every negative experience, we should create seven positive experiences. So as we think about our communities of joy today, I want you to also think about how we can be proactive about creating a positive experience and positive ratios within those communities of joy. It's time to tag a friend in this conversation. One thing that brings me life is whenever you're in a road trip with your friends and that one song goes on and like everybody knows it and you're just singing like everyone's just singing as loud as they can and you're cruising down the highway. I feel like that's one of the most genuine moments in life. Truth number one is that we can create communities of joy. So I've developed a model that's called the Communities of Joy model that enables us to really examine the people that are in our lives and the position that these people have in our lives. And when we look at the model, it gives us three particular um, positions. Um, the first position is our core community. Um, if we look a little bit outward, we have our circle community. And then if we go a little further out, we have our more fragmented community. So Talking about our core community, these are the people that are near and dear to us, and they have four key characteristics. And these characteristics are that they are loyal, they are belief-driven, meaning that they believe in the dreams that we have for ourselves, and so they are willing to share in that belief with us. They are action-oriented, so they get engaged and involved in the things that you do in your life. They want to be a part of it. 
And the last thing is that they're accepting. So they know who you are, they know your flaws, they know the good and the bad about you, and they accept you in spite of that. And possibly even because of those unique qualities that you have. So the core community is that community that you really can lean on, that you can trust, that they are, they are your core. They're your main community of joy. But if we move a little bit outward, we have a circle community. And so these are people in your life who share four different characteristics. And these characteristics are that they are like-minded. So they may have similar political views, different approaches to life. They might enjoy traveling the way you enjoy traveling. Um, but they are like-minded, and so you share um, those types of experiences and conversations. They're also friendly, and you're friendly with each other. So you have a relationship, um, a connection in which you say hello to each other. Um, you you know just are really polite, and it's just sort of this um, warm and friendly exchange that that you may have with these this particular group of people. The next one is that there is a sense of admiration. So they admire what you're doing. You may admire them and what they're doing, but you have a deep respect for the work that they're doing, for the um, hobbies that they have, for the passions that are a part of their life. So that admiration is sort of a, it's a little bit more, you know, removed than getting involved in their life, but you are um, one who watches and, and admires that and vice versa. The fourth one is supportive. So they see what you're doing, and they will get engaged. They'll like your posts. They will um, go to your events. They might buy your book. They're just going to um, show their support. They may spread the word about who you are and what you're doing. Um, and so having that uh, level of support is what makes your circle community. Now, notice the distinction between the core and the circle. The circle is more surface level. They are, um, it's sort of this uh, friendly engagement, whereas your core, they're hands-on. They're all in. Um, and then finally, if we look at the, the outer realm of things, we have what is called the fragmented community. So this is the community that is not necessarily your positive sources of support, but they are there and they exist. And it's important for us to be aware of their presence um, in our environment. So the fragmented community is characterized by four different particular traits. The first one is that there may be some sense of uh, a vindictive nature, um, that somebody ha harbors something against you, that there may be some level of resentment that exists in that relationship. There is also those who are indifferent. So when you have big wins, when you go through really difficult times, they sort of respond with a sense of indifference, like, yeah, okay, so anyway, here's what's going on in my life. Um, and so it's not really um, uh, the kind of place where it's safe to, to live out your emotions. The third one is fearful. And so there are people who are intimidated or afraid or just put off by who we are, and so the way that they engage in us, with us, is from a place of fear. And the last one is jealousy. And this is where, you know, it's just like it sounds, you have people in your environment, in this fragmented community, who have some level of jealousy um, for whatever reason um, against you, what you do, what you look like, what you believe in, the family you have, whatever that is. And so understanding that those, that part of your world 
is a part of your world that exists that you've got to be aware of. So that's what our communities of joy looks like. Even though the fragmented community is not necessarily um, joyful, it is still there because it's something that can hinder your joy. So knowing these things, it's gonna make all the difference in building your community. If you love them enough to drive an hour to cheer them on as they get beat 11 to nothing in the rain, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. You know, a lot of people say, when you're going somewhere, you don't want to look back. But I beg a different. For her to see her father celebrate his graduation, it's the best feeling in the world. I can't lie and say it was easy. But sometimes you just have to stop everything and take it in. I looked at everything in a different light. I realized it started with me going back and getting my high school diploma. My Shiro doesn't always wear a cape, but she always has time for a hug, a smile, for going the extra mile. My Shiro stretches every dollar, puts in long hours, puts others first. But now it's your time, Mom. When you're ready to retire, we want you to be able to enjoy it. It's time to start saving now. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to start boosting your retirement savings today. Visit aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. When we look at what it means to create communities of joy, um, you know, there's there's this building of the, the people, but what do you do with the people when you have them in a gathering? Um, this is the work of Priya Parker, and I love this because she really started to hone in on what our gatherings mean, especially around the COVID era, because it was important that we became much more intentional about how we come together. So what Priya Parker has done is has taken her work around conflict resolution and has applied it to um, gathering events, which doesn't sound like the two go together. But when you think about it, conflict resolution, that process has a very intentional purpose. You're bringing two people together, three people together to resolve an issue. So there's intention around that gathering. But what she has found in having conversations with numerous people um, is that when people come together for dinner parties, birthday parties, um, you name it, there's really not an intentional purpose. It's more about making everything look pretty and decorating. But what are the people intentionally coming together for? So I want you to listen to this part of Priya's TED Talk to hear what she did with a baby shower and how she made that baby shower process um, full of intention, full of um, uh, meaning, and full of power for that couple having the baby. Check it out. The first step of creating more meaningful everyday gatherings is to embrace a specific, disputable purpose. An expectant mother I know was dreading her baby shower. The idea of pinned the diaper on the baby games, and opening gifts felt odd and irrelevant. 
So she paused to ask, "What is the purpose of a baby shower? What is my need at this moment?" And she realized it was to address her fears of her and her husband's. Remember that guy? Transition to parenthood, and so she asked two friends to invent a gathering based on that. And so, on a sunny afternoon, six women gathered, and first to address her fear of of labor. She was terrified. They told her stories from her life to remind her of the characteristics she already carries: bravery, wonder, faith, surrender. That they believe would carry her and help her in labor as well. And as they spoke, they tied a bead and for each quality into a necklace that they could that she could wear around her neck in the delivery room. Next, her husband came in, and they wrote new vows, family vows, and spoke them aloud. First, committing to keep their marriage central as they transitioned to parenthood, but also future vows to their future son of what they wanted to carry with them from each of their family lines and what would stop with this generation. Then more friends came along, including men, for a dinner party, and in lieu of gifts, they each brought a favorite memory from their childhood to share with the table. Now you might be thinking, this is a lot for a baby party, baby shower, or it's a little weird, or it's a little intimate. Good. It's specific. It's disputable. It's specific to them, just as your gathering should be specific to you. There is power in joy, and today's power gear is the Joy Whisperer Vibes Collection. Now, how many times have you heard positive vibes only? Well, the Joy Whisperer Vibes allows us to remember that no matter what it is that we're going through, we can use joy for our positive, but also our negative or scary situations, because there's always joy resilience. So, Joy Whisperer Vibes, the collection comes with a wide variety of styles in t-shirts and tank tops. Go to the JoyWhisperer.org website and click on the store and choose your item today. Remember, positive vibes only is cool, but Joy Whisperer Vibes is even better. Truth number two: Friendships are intimate relationships. What? Yes, 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 they are, and they can be. So I had the opportunity to have a really amazing conversation with Dr. Marissa G. Franco, who is the author of the book Platonic, which is coming out this month. And I really wanted to、um, get dive in deep with her on her concepts around platonic friendships. So check this out and think about how your friendships can have higher levels of intimacy than you ever imagined. So I am joined here by Dr. Marissa G. Franco, and I'm really excited about the opportunity to speak with her today because、um, I've been following her work for a few years now,、um, actually probably even prior to COVID, and、um, I've just been really intrigued by the work, especially、um, the parallels that her work has with、um, the concepts of joy. So just quickly, I'd like to introduce Dr. Marissa G. Franco.、Um, she is a psychologist and friend expert. And she's also a professor, speaker,、um, contributor to Psychology Today and Scientific American, and she's been quoted in the New York Times. Now she is the author of a culture-bending, science-spewing, deep-thinking, friendship-honoring book entitled Platonic, which is coming out September sixth. And I got that. Amazing little、uh, quote from her Instagram page because I've stalked her page a little bit. So, <laughs> so Marissa, welcome! Thank you so much for joining me today. 
thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. I, I love your Instagram posts. I go through and I kind of get some inspiration and some tips and um, for anybody who is um, interested in learning more and just getting some really quick, helpful information around friendships and connection. Um, I highly recommend uh, that you check out um, her page. Um, so I want to just go ahead and just find out how did you get into this work um, around studying friendships? So in my young 20s, I went through breakups. I felt awful, felt so bad. And I, I decided to start this wellness group with my friends where we met up, we cooked, we did yoga together, anything related to wellness every week. And the group felt so healing for me. And I think it made me interrogate some of the assumptions that I was having that really led me to be so depressed over, over these um, breakups. And that was really the idea that romantic love was the only love that made me lovable. And I didn't have any love in my life without it. And I just looked around and I was like, I have all this love around me. It's always been around me. Why haven't I valued it? Why haven't I seen, why haven't I counted platonic love as mattering? As I reflected, I was like, I think, I don't think this is just me. I think this is a larger cultural problem that we face, this hierarchy of love, this trivialization of friendship. And I feel like it's really harming all of us. So mm -hmm. I wanted to write the book that viewed friendship as sacred as I had found it to be in my own life. Wow, I, I absolutely love that. And you know, it's funny because some of my own coping mechanisms um, have been exactly what you established around your friends, your friend group, and in, in order to, uh, I don't, you know, to heal. And um, same thing, except for me, it was me and my cousin, let's travel, let's go, let's support each other, let's be there. And so, yeah, it's so powerful what companionship in the form of friendship can do. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that work. So, so I have um, viewed your TED Talk um, a few times. I came across um, that and I thought it was really profound because it went into a little bit of the history around um, platonic friendship and, um, you know, versus, I don't know if it's necessarily versus, but, you know, um, romantic relationships. Um, and in that TED talk, you said that platonic love is at the lowest rung in the hierarchy. And that as a society, we value platonic friendship less than romantic friendship relationships. So how did it come to be that our worth became associated with the ability to secure a spouse? So if we look into the history of marriage, we will see that love was not a thing. People got married because they wanted to secure resources or they wanted to join forces with a certain family that, that might position them. So it didn't matter whether you were in love with someone you married. And the genders were also considered to be so distinct. And, and this is all coming from Mrs. Coons. She has this great book on marriage. The genders were considered so distinct that it was, is assumed you can't really connect with someone of a different gender. This is for people that were, were. So where you can connect and develop real emotional intimacy was through your friends' intimacy. And I would argue that that's where you experience romance. Mm. And, and I think, you know, communities have really pushed us to see that romance and sex are different, right? Romance right. is being passionate about someone, idealizing someone, wanting to be around them all the time, 
sex, sexual interest, attraction is wanting to have sex with someone. And we tend to conflate those two things. You could want to have sex with someone that you don't want to go go to brunch with, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so if we piece those apart, we see that romance is often a part of friendship. And it's very normal for best friends to feel some degree of romance. Like, I love this person. I want to hang out with them. I think they're the best. I think they're the greatest. And it has been normal throughout our history. Friends would hold hands. Friends would write their names into trees. Friends would write love letters to each other. Frederick Douglass saying his friends were the only thing that made him miss being on the plantation, right? Um, People would say powerful things like that about their friends that we now see as only appropriate for romantic partnerships. But what was going on in the time that really freed people up to be this love thing in their French was that homophobia didn't exist as we see it today. You were forbidden from having sex with someone of your same sex. But what was not forbidden is the constellation of behaviors that we assume indicates same sex. So you could hold hands with someone because that's not having sex with them. You could write a love letter to someone that's not having sex with them, right? Mm -hmm. We could share a bed because that's not having sex. So that none of that was taboo. None of that was forbidden. Then in, in 1867, around then, basically these psychiatrists, Sigmund Freud, Richard von Krupp, Ebbing, they began to argue that, that it's not just an act that is bad. It's a whole entire identity. They created the concept of sexual orientation in order to cast it as a disorder, in order to say this is a disordered way of being. And, you know, you Freud gives, you know, gives this whole early childhood complex and, and you know, being attracted to your parents and, and how that process went awry. And that's why you're attracted of the same gender. That's why you have this whole sexual orientation or identity that becomes part of you. So they mm-hmm. kind of created the whole concept of sexual orientation. And, and then on, people started to question, does me holding your hand indicate sexual interest? Does mm-hmm. me writing you this love letter mean that I want to sleep with you? And so now all of a sudden, all of these intimate behaviors that were considered normal in friendship were stigmatized as um, because of homophobia. So I think homophobia is one of the biggest ravagers of our friendships and particularly men's friendships. Ugh. It's so sad in in more ways than one, um, because it really destroyed an entire system of support that I see men really need today. Um, I mean, they needed it back then. They need it now. When I ask men in particular about how they, um, you know, how they describe their joy or to talk about their joy, they have no idea in many cases Um what that even means for them, which is just so, um, and I, I, I'm willing to bet you if, if we did a study that looked at men's friendships, um, the men that have deeper friendships probably experience more joy. It's just a guess, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why like, you know, widowed women tend to, um, I guess like grieve a little bit better because they have this entire community. And I, And I think it's wrong the way that we always pit romance and friendship against each other. First of all, because they're not exclusive, hopefully with your your life partner, your marital, your spouse, they feel like your friend too. (laughs) And romance, we also experience romance with our friends. And, you know, there's all this like tension around you're hanging out with your friends, you're not spending time with me, or you get into this romantic relationship and you don't hang out with your friends anymore. And like one of the, that's just such a misconception because 
being having friends is part of what healthy romantic relationships look like or spousal relationships look like like we know from the research that if you get into a fight with your partner it it you your release of the stress hormone cortisol becomes dysregulated the pattern gets all out of whack unless if you have good social support from your friends then that doesn't happen or that yeah, or that um, women who are going through difficult relationships with their romantic partner, they're more resilient to them when they have close friends. Wow. And so I think we should all be encouraging our spouse to, hey, go make some friends because that's going to really help us connect. Yes. It's going to help you to bring the most stable, loving side of you to this relationship. Oh, gosh, that's so powerful. Oh, gosh, I love that so much. And and I guess that can speak to the opposite end of things where somebody who might be in a very unhealthy romantic relationship is being sort of discouraged from, you know, being around their friends because your friends, if they are the thing that keeps you healthy, then it's going to pull you away from that unhealthy, you know, romantic relationship. And I'm sure that's a threat to the partner. That is such a good way point. I've never heard it framed that way, but yeah, I can like certainly see that like these abuse tactics of, of isolating that make you more vulnerable to continued abuse. So friendship, another research study for us, a friendship can be a protective factor, possibly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> against <laughs> abusive relationships. I don't know. Um, but that's, that's pretty, I, I love that. I love the, um, the depth of that, you know, um, so I want to hear a little bit more about, you know, and I, and I love that you said that we tend to pit romantic and platonic relationships against each other. I almost did that at the beginning of this interview when I said platonic versus, you know, romantic relationships. It's such a, a, a natural sort of, I don't know, dichotomy that, that we tend to fall into. Um, but I'd love to hear more about the value of maintaining deep friendships um, outside of our, our romantic relationships, you know, what does that look like nurturing those deep friendships? Um, when we are in a society that is very possessive about our romantic relationships. Yeah. You know, we have grown, I've grown up, you know, I'm a millennial. I'll say like receiving all these messages, there's one person that completes me, you know, love conquers all, um, kind of like just the only thing that matters for me living a filling life was whether I found a spouse. And um, now I try to approach my romantic relationship. Like, what does it look like for me to not love on a hierarchy? Because Hmm. I don't know, I think I grieve that it's so normal for us to just be like, I'm in this romantic relationship. So now you're not going to be a priority anymore. <laughs> and you just have to accept that because that's the natural way of things, right? Like, and right. you know, there's more and more people that are ending up single than ever before. And yes. the fact that we're just going to leave them on their own to fend for themselves once, you know, some of us find these romantic partners, I think it just is going to amplify our problems with loneliness that we have already, which is why it feels important to me to figure out, even as I'm in, you know, a uh, traditional romantic relationship, like what does it look like to not love on a hierarchy? And I will say it, it feels very hard. Like there was a time when I was invited to speak at a conference and it was like, you get a plus one. And I was like, who should I actually bring, right? Like not necessarily my, this, you know, person that I'm with, I can invite someone who would benefit from this the most, who might like this experience the most. But actually the conference told me 
I had to bring a significant quote unquote, you know, significant other. Yeah. So, so there's all these ways if you want to like try to reverse the tides, it feels really hard, right? Like you get invited to someone's wedding and it's like, you can bring your significant other or no one. (laughs) You can't bring your best friend or no. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's hard because it's, it's not, and even in our policies, right. All the benefits that go to a, um, a romantic partner or your, your husband yeah. or your wife, your person that yeah. don't go towards your best friend, even if that is the most profound relationship in your life. So it's, um, it's all I can say about it is it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> If you need to do something to feel okay to drive, you're not okay to drive. Don't drive buzzed. It's all is good, it, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. This was an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, It allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Maybe you can make retirement happen. After all, you made home ownership happen. Homeschooling yourself on loans, beefing up your credit score. So I'm pre-approved. You were like, yes! Sorry. Color coding listings, ticking boxes, and flushing every toilet in a 20-mile radius. Home sweet home. You aced house hunting. Now get the tips you need to get on track at aceyourretirement.org. If I could be you, you could be me for just one hour. If we could find a way to get inside each other's minds. If you could see you through my eyes instead of your ego. I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind Walk a mile in my shoes Walk a mile in my shoes Yeah, before you abuse, criticize and accuse Walk a mile in my shoes Walk a mile in my shoes Well, before you abuse, criticize and accuse Walk a mile in my shoes It's time to tag a friend in this conversation. 
What brings me life? Curiosity. I mean, yeah, I like experiencing new things. I like exploring new things, seeing different people, kind of examining different cultures. That's why I love to travel. So my curiosity brings me life. It gives me a chance to sort of understand the world, understand my place in the world from a different perspective. And it sort of gives me an appreciation of what I have. And it gives me an opportunity to learn. So yeah, curiosity brings me life. Whispers in My Ear is brought to you by Vera Lofts, where creatives enhance their view. Now, this week's question is really, I mean, it, it's indicative of the things that are happening virtually, online, and then also just out in the world. And so I um, really wanted to get, some, get a little help on this answer. But first, I'll read the question. It's, why does it seem that people struggle so much to get along these days? What is going on with our communities of joy? Why are people struggling um, with this? We see a lot of people arguing and debating online. Um, little, you know, gender wars are happening. And it's just, what is really going on? Why are people struggling with this? Um, and the first thought that came to my mind was that we are really just, there's a lot of pent up frustration, emotion, fear, stress, all of those difficult emotions coming together and really just culminating into us exploding onto one another. And so I, you know, often have us think about how we can enhance our relationships by being honest about what we're going through. We need an outlet. We need to be able to talk through those things. We need safe spaces where we can express what it is we're angry about, what it is we're frustrated about, what it is that we fear. And I think a really great perspective that was given in response to this question was by Gary Vaynerchuk. And, you know, he's got all kinds of amazing perspectives and strategies that he offers on all of his social media pages. But this one in particular, I thought, was such a great and thoughtful response to why people are struggling so much to get along these days. You know, I just think it comes down to the idea that we just need to tap into our joy. But go ahead and listen to Gary's response to this. I think it's pretty profound. And if people are addicted to fear. Addicted to fear? Fear. Fear is the currency of our society right now. The reason everyone's pointing fingers and talking 24-7, 365 mm. is fear. Okay. It's insecurity. If your framework in life is negativity, insecurity, and fear, you will be mean. If it's positivity, optimism, and lack of fear, you will be nice. Mm. And then you have everything in between. The end. Truth number three, communities of joy have purpose. Now, if you engage with your friends and you really don't think about, you know, other than, you know, it just feels good to be around them, or I'm going to these family events because it's my duty, it's what I'm supposed to do, um, it, you know, it can become an empty pursuit after a while. You know, it could be like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Kind of like what Priya Parker um, has proposed, that we make our gatherings intentional. But let's think about how we can make our communities of um, joy uh, intentional as well. And first of all, what are those communities? Those communities can consist of the people that are a part of our teams at work. They can consist of the people in our neighborhood. They can consist of the people that we go to church with. Um, they can consist of our college friends. So think about all of the different circles that you're a part of, um, the people you grew up with, 
and how those different circles contribute to your joy. And that's the idea. We want communities of joy that contribute to our joy. Um, and we want to be aware of those communities that are more fragmented so that our joy is not stifled um, throughout you know, our, our daily lives. So we have really an uh, opportunity to think about how to make our communities purposeful. And it may not all work for every community that you're a part of. It does depend on proximity, how frequently you engage with them, what those engagement, what the context of those engagements might be. So if you look at the five different, uh, the four, I'm sorry, demonstrations of joy that I've spoken about um, uh, in my work and in previous shows, we have four demonstrations of joy. So how is joy demonstrated in our lives? So we have the ethos of joy, mindset, and you know, that's the first one, which addresses our mindset and our character. Um, and so when we think about our communities of joy, how can our communities of joy nurture that ethos of joy? And because a lot of the people in my life know that joy is my thing, they are constantly nurturing my ethos of joy. They're constantly nurturing um, my character around joy, my mindset around joy, uh, by sending me uh, different uh, messages that are uh, that remind them of joy, that inspire them by sending me articles. By uh, yesterday, in fact, I, I had a meeting with my team uh, with the publishing company, and everybody showed up in our joy gear, and it was just a total coincidence. Um, and so that was a really awesome moment. But it was just us again, um, you know, bringing forth our ethos of joy because we proudly represent joy together. And so that's an example of how our communities um, of joy can be purposeful in bringing forth that ethos. The second one is the expression of joy. And that is really, you know, how do we outwardly express? How do we speak joy? How do we um, dance in joy? How do we do things that are outward, visible expressions of our joy? And sometimes we have communities that maybe are not so um, uh, open to joy expression. So maybe at work, there's this sort of culture of everybody being um, calm and collect and so forth. But your college friends may be your outlet for your expression of joy. So for this particular community of joy, this is where, this is where I go and express my joy. So what are the different communities that allow you to express your joy? Uh, my daughter has a friend and I, you know, although they are quite loud in their expression, I don't stifle it. I do everything in my power. I am not stifling that joy. But when her friend comes over, they are in her room yelling and squealing and laughing and screaming at different videos they see and just in full uninhibited expressions of joy. And of course, I can, you know, get annoyed and say, oh my gosh, you guys be quiet. But I think it is a really healthy outlet for them to be able to express the joy that they have. So they, they engage in that joy expression. The other one is experience of joy. So what kinds of experiences can you create intentionally 
to maintain that joy. So I have friends that I travel with and we create joyful experiences that way with intention. I have friends that we will go out to try new foods or, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, go visit the waterfalls in the city that you're in. So there's a lot of ways. And then the last one is the emotion of joy. Which one of your communities free you? to express your joy with emotion, to express with tears, with laughter, um, you know, whatever emotion that comes out, which community frees you to do that? So think about the communities of joy that you have and what function each of those communities can serve in your life. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college. So. I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. It's all is good, it, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. This was an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Something that brings me life is friends and family uh, because they bring me joy. And I know it sounds kind of cliche, but um, I've just recently moved away from all of my friends and I quickly learned to realize how an amazing life can be. Um, I mean, I'm still doing things that quote unquote bring me joy, like, you know, going out, going on hikes and stuff, but it definitely feels different when you don't when you're not doing those things with the people that you love and care about and the people that care about you. So another way that we can be purposeful with our communities of joy is to be uh, communities that encourage positivity through difficult times. And difficult times are, are always a possibility. And so it's always important to have a buffer or something in place 
to help us through and to encourage us and to build positivity in our lives. So I want to bring back the, uh, you know, today's theory to live by, which is the positivity ratio. And I want us to consider how we can use that concept of the positivity ratio to bring in those positive experiences particularly when we are going through difficult times. How can we band together as a community to support a member of our community to help them um, carry on and push through when times get especially difficult? How can we reach out and make it known that we're struggling? So I had this struggle um, a few weeks ago. So it was I was home one weekend and I was like, I need to get out of the house and you know, I, I'm writing this book, Joyfully Single, because every now and then I need a strategy to figure out how to not be miserable in singlehood because it's really easy to spiral downward. And so I write the book not because I'm perfect and I have it all figured out, but because I need strategies too. So in this particular weekend, I was having a little bit of a struggle with just not having anybody to hang out with. And it was just kind of one of those woe is me potentially what was me moment. But so what I did is I took myself out. I had a good time. Um, took myself out to dinner. took myself out to the golf place, which I really love. But I also called my communities of joy. I reached out to two of my communities of joy and I was just honest with them. You know, uh, one was a group of family and another was a group of college friends. And I said, look, y'all, I'm struggling. I need some positivity. Send me some stuff. Send me some positivity. And they delivered. And so this is what I mean by being intentional about the communities that you um, that you're a part of. So Psychology Today published an article that talked about a few different ways that you can intentionally bring positivity into difficult situations. So the first one is to rewrite the story um, that your negativity bias tells you. So what's negativity bias? Negativity bias is where you are more prone to pay attention to the negative things that are happening as opposed to the positive things that might even be simultaneously going on. So you might see that, you know, there, there's, um, I don't know, not enough, the gas prices are high. You might see the gas prices are high and, um, and not really pay attention to maybe some of the other positive things that are going on in your life. So you give more energy to the negative aspect. So if we can really challenge our negativity bias, really it means being intentional about finding the positive. And so this point right here is saying, rewrite the story that your negativity bias tells you. So what could you possibly rewrite about gas prices being high? Well, you know, you've gotta get creative with some of these things. And so maybe the story that you rewrite to yourself is, I am going to spend more time walking, riding my bike, doing physical activities as opposed to always using the car. I'm going to go to a city where maybe um, everything that I need is accessible by walking. And so that is a really important um, creative way to um, change the narrative to one that is going to be beneficial and that can be uh, more positive. Another one is to look for opportunity in the difficulty. So for people like, let's say they're going to school and they're struggling to pass a class, an opportunity in that, in that difficulty is to possibly build a relationship with the professor, 
build a relationship with some classmates. And so now the opportunity is that you have built more connections around the very thing that you struggle with. And one more is to choose your perception. And this gives us um, power in our situation. One of the things that I like to ask the people that I coach is, where is your power in this situation? And it helps them to think about the angles that, you know, enable them to take action. So those are just a few ways to insert positivity into your life and to be really intentional about it. Allow your communities of joy to help bring forth new ideas and new strategies for positivity. So this week's gift to myself, I swapped out midday meetings for midday naps. Yes, I took naps. And so I do that every now and then, but this week I was particularly intentional about making sure that those midday meetings that usually stress me out or bring me to the end of my rope were replaced with midday naps. So I intentionally did not schedule anything during a certain time frame of the day and gave myself permission and space to go lay down and recuperate and recover. And that did so much for me that by the time I got up, I was ready to go. I was ready to move into whatever the next task was for the day. And I was able to do so energized. So I encourage you to think about how you can incorporate naps into a certain time of day for yourself, even if it's not on an everyday basis, even if you just give yourself three or four days to just dive into the practice of napping, I bet you you're gonna see what a significant change it can bring in your life. So that was my gift to myself, and I encourage you to gift yourself with the same thing. Thank you. Thank you. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college. So I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. This was an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I gonna get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. 
If you love them enough to drive an hour to cheer them on as they get beat 11 to nothing in the rain, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. You know, a lot of people say, when you're going somewhere, you don't want to look back. But I beg a different. For her to see her father celebrate his graduation, it's the best feeling in the world. I can't lie and say it was easy. But sometimes you just have to stop everything and take it in. I looked at everything in a different light. I realized it started with me going back and getting my high school diploma. It's time to tag a friend in this conversation. Something that gives me life is hearing people's genuine laughs and laughing with them just as hard and genuinely. And um, the way that the morning light hits the trees so nicely jumping in the ocean after you haven't for a while. Those things give me life. <laughs> so today I have encouraged you to think about all of the different communities of joy that you may be a part of. Sometimes we miss it because we think, oh, it's just my friends, or oh, it's just my colleagues. But think about how each one of these little pockets of people that you're a part of can be sources of joy, your communities of joy. I encourage you to join me every Thursday at noon on the SSN TV channel on Roku. And also, find me on social media. Instagram, it's Whispering Joy, or just find me on LinkedIn at Dr. Pamela Larde. Remember, joy is our greatest energy source for our relationships, our resistance, our restoration, and our resilience. Have an amazing and joyful week. We're a loss. We're creative. Enhance their view.